0: Amen. Let me just encourage you, like I said, be back tonight, but uh, there's some other things going on. Uh, this Wednesday night, regularly scheduled service time, but not our regularly scheduled service, and so we're going to be meeting outside, and uh, we'll have a fire pit out there, uh, a long one, a large one, so we can stay warm, and I checked the, the uh, weather today. There was some possibility of rain on Wednesday night. As of this morning, there is no possibility of rain, uh, but that may change, and if that changes, service will still happen. We might just have to light a fire here in the out and uh, I'm kidding about that. We certainly won't do that, but we'll come in and sing and things of that nature. But the plan is to be outside. So bring a heavy jacket if you would. And uh, there will be seating provided, but you probably want to bring a cloth chair And uh, to set up. Those plastic ones can get cold and uh, it'll be a good time had by all. And then the following Sunday, uh, so a week from tonight, uh, tonight's our, fireside, our, tonight's our uh, candlelight service. Wednesday is our fireside service. And the following Sunday is New Year's Eve. And we are going to have our countdown to the the New Year service at 6 p.m., regular service at 6, we'll break for a potluck, so please bring enough to feed your family and to share, and again, like I said, I think a Wednesday night, a bag of Doritos is not going to feed your family of five, and uh, so bring more than a bag of Doritos, if you would, and help us with that, and then we're going to come back in for all kinds of festivities and memorable events, you won't want to miss it, I think it's the first time we've done it uh, in our church, I know it's the first time since I've been here we've done something like that, and it's going to be an awesome time, we've got free throws and bench press competitions and games for the kids and for the ladies, and uh, there'll be prizes and things. You don't want to miss it. It'll be something we talk about, I think, for the years to come. But let's dive into our study in Hebrews chapter 11. Would you go there? And we'll pick up in verse 23. Like I said, it's taken longer than I expected uh, to get through this particular chapter, and I'm okay with that. I'm not in any rush to finish. And I want to encourage you. I was thinking about this while I was sitting. If you can make it a priority to be in Sunday school every single week, and I know there are sometimes you can't. There's there's uh, times where I miss. I'm sick or I'm out of town or things like that. So I know the 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 there there are are times that are abnormal. But the normative for God's people ought to be to desire to be in every service, especially uh, this morning, I'm talking about the Sunday school hour. Sunday school is where you're gonna get line by line, verse by verse, word by word in the adult Sunday school ministry. And that is invaluable. Uh, it, it's hard to calculate exactly what that does for you. And here's, here, let me do my best though. Um, in, in five years, we will have covered many different books uh, in the Sunday school. And for those of you who have a great grasp on scripture, you're gonna benefit. The, the ones who have a robust Uh, theology and Christology and an understanding of the Bible, you can quote all the books, you know all the apostles, you know a lot. If you were here every single service, you're gonna have a deep, deep, deep understanding of the the books and the chapters and and what is the book of Hebrews about and what is the book of James about. And and here's the thing, how how many of you are like me, you're gonna forget a lot of it over the course of of your lifetime. That's just it, that's fine. Um, I've said this before, it's not original with me, but what I ate last week, I don't remember, but it's a part of me now. And uh, as we walk through the book of Hebrews, we may not remember every single nuanced detail of chapter seven or chapter six. I do remember chapter six because it was a doozy. Um, but you may not remember every single detail, but you're going to have a much deeper understanding. And so that those of you who have been in church for your whole life, man, Sunday school is an especially valuable time for you uh, in this particular format where we're going verse by verse through uh, all of the books of the New Testament. And so for those of you maybe who are brand new and you don't even understand what the book of Hebrews was about, well, it's equally as valuable for you because we're going to, we're going to go through the who, what, where, why, when, and then we're going to start unpacking major themes and we're going to tie it back to Exodus. and We're going to tie it back to this. And so you're going to start building out the, framework of of the Bible in Sunday school as well. So again, just a shameless plug for being present for the verse by verse, line by line, chapter by chapter uh, study structure that we have in Sunday school. And I don't don't plan on changing that. Even on Wednesday night, we're doing uh, uh, verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes. We just started that on Wednesday. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it and catch up with us. On Wednesday night, one of the best books, in my opinion, in a practical setting of the entire Old Testament. So, shameless plug—I'm okay with that. Now, let's ju- let's jump into Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 23. We've prayed. We'll, we'll dive in. Uh, my hope is to finish the chapter and maybe even get into a little bit of chapter number 12. Um, I will say this: this morning, as I was working through, and this week as I was working through it, and started reading and uh, writing chapter 12 and tra- chapter 13's uh, sermon, uh, I think. We're mostly over the hill on the book of, of Hebrews. And that's not just because we only have two or three chapters left. It's because the rest of the chapters are very preachy. Um, you're going to recognize almost all of chapter 12. Um, chapter 12 is a very common, very preached through chapter and its texts and its thoughts. Um, so the previous chapters in chapter 6, 7, and 8, those were some really, really heavy lifting. Chapter 11 has been easily digestible, chapter 12 and 13, uh, even more so. And so it's gonna be a really enjoyable kind of uh, downhill slope through the rest of the book as we've kind of climbed up some of these major themes and some of these major ideas about the shadow of things to come and so forth. So let's dive in. Chapter uh, 11, verse 23 talks about the faith of Moses. And we read this, We, we didn't quite stop at 23. We briefly read 24, 25, but we're gonna back up to verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses... When he was born, was hid, and so this is not the faith of Moses. This is the faith of Moses' mom and dad. uh, Was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. So, um, for those of you maybe just joining us, and I see a couple of you out there who maybe it's your first time or first time in Sunday school. uh, The Hebrews chapter eleven is what some would call the hall of faith. And that's important because in chapter 12, he's gonna reference chapter 11. That great cloud of witnesses is, is chapter 11. Um, there are people who have walked through and lived faithfully and their life has witnessed to the testaments of God's promises and God keeping his promises. And uh, so Hebrews chapter 11 just lists uh, so far, chronologically, the people in the in the Jewish heritage who have walked by faith and been obedient and received promises because of their faith, and uh, he's going to use that to try to call the Hebrews into a life of faith. So it's not just a hall of faith, but a call of faith. And here in verse 23, we see Moses' parents had great faith and hid the child. Well, it's no coincidence that in verse 24, that faith becomes the faith of their child. Look at verse 24. By faith Moses, now it's not talking about his mom and dad, it's talking about him. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's so important. It's not an accident when mom and dad have faith that their children have faith. It's not an accident when you see a young person who grows up in church and their fa- the faith of their parents becomes their own faith. That's not an accident. Mom and dad didn't get lucky that their children kind of caught the flu. Mom and dad were intentional in training and teaching And uh, Moses' mom and dad are a great example of this because they only had Moses for a time. They only had Moses for a season before he went to be raised uh, by Pharaoh's daughter. And so maybe for those, some of you, it's so great to have a church with, with people who have been in church for their whole life. And then to have people who don't even know what I'm referencing about Moses' parents hiding him. And so that's a really cool thing. Uh, And so if you're like, oh, I know this story. Well, hold on. Let me explain it to those who, man, this is the first year you've ever been in a church. Moses, when he was born, Pharaoh commanded, they were all the the children of Israel in Egypt, and uh, Pharaoh commanded, uh, because Israel was getting so large and so powerful, Pharaoh was afraid uh, that if the children of Israel got so strong, they would align themselves with the enemies of the Egyptian kingdom, and they could overthrow Egypt from the inside. And so Pharaoh made it a command, much like much like Herod in our our story in 11 o'clock, made it a command that all the male children of uh, Israel would be slaughtered. Well, Moses' parents feared God and said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to allow our children to be killed. And so they hid Moses as long as they could. And then finally, when they could no longer hide him, they they took him and they put him in an ark of bulrushes and they put him in the reeds near where the palace was. And Pharaoh's daughter came out, heard the baby, said, oh, this is one of the Hebrew children. I can raise him as myself. And, and uh, it was beautiful because Moses' sister comes along and is like, hey, do you need help raising that kid? She's like, yeah, uh, take this child back to your mom and let, him ra- let her raise him. And that's Moses' mom. It's just a God orchestrated, beautiful thing. But Pharaoh or Moses' mom had him for only so long, ended up having to give him back to the daughter of Pharaoh. But notice what Moses knew when he went back. Notice what mama taught Moses while she had him for the season she did. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so Moses, we find through the story of Exodus, he refuses to be seen as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, the grandson of Pharaoh. Moses is going to leave uh, Egypt, go out into the desert for 40 more years. He's 40 years old when he leaves. He's going to go out of the desert. He's going to meet Jethro, his father-in-law. He's going to meet God on the mountain. God's going to call him to go back into Egypt and deliver the people of God. But it says right here that Moses, when he became old enough to realize and old enough to recognize, he did not want to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that's a huge, <clears throat> I don't want to say sacrifice, but I don't know of a better word. That's a huge sacrifice. He, he, he forwent a bunch of benefits, Uh, I mean, he is the the, the grandson of the most powerful man on the planet, and he's going to forfeit all of that to walk away from it, to join the reproaches of his people. Look at verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. He chose an uncomfortable life. Now that again is something that uh, discomfort is something we don't often choose, right? In any, in any field, right? Uh, we don't want to be uncomfortable when it comes to what we eat. We don't want to be uncomfortable in an exercise. We don't want to be uncomfortable when it comes to the lifestyle that we live. Well, Moses chooses to be uncomfortable, to, to surrender all of the benefits and blessings uh, that would have come with being Pharaoh's grandson, but choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, who is that credited to? Moses didn't just realize it, right? Moses didn't just come up with the idea. Moses had been taught by his parents who he was. You are a Hebrew. You are not that woman's son, but we're gonna have to give you back and you're gonna have to go into the palace. And it's a beautiful thing. We've developed this when we did Exodus line by line on Wednesday night. Moses was raised in the palace of Pharaoh. He was taught warfare and leadership. And and, I mean, he he was the man he was because he was incubated and trained by Pharaoh. And and we see that in such a cool way when Moses actually flees Egypt after having killed the Egyptian uh, taskmaster and buried him in the sand. And and that whole story there is its its own thing, right? Uh, He kills the the Egyptian taskmaster and saves the the Jewish slave, but then the Jews kind of turn on Moses and are you gonna kill us too? And evidently someone tells Pharaoh what happens and it certainly wasn't the guy buried in the sand that told uh, Pharaoh that Moses had killed someone. And so uh, uh, Noah, Noah, uh, Moses ends up having to flee uh, and he goes and he, he finds his future wife at a well and she's being harassed by some shepherds and Moses is a man of war. He's actually able to drive off all of those men by himself. How did he learn how to do that? We learned that in Pharaoh's house. He became a leader and a man and a mighty man in Pharaoh's house and God was preparing him to come back into that system of power and deliver the children of Israel out. But it started with a mom and a dad who taught him who he was, who his identity was, that he was a child of, of the, the Hebrews and not of Pharaoh. And so this is just so incredibly unique to me. I also want to point this out, that Moses is credited with a certain measure of faith that isn't necessarily recorded in the Bible. It says that by faith, he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, think it with me, is that, is that true? Well, yes, it's absolutely true because the Bible says it. But do you remember the story, right? Moses doesn't choose to be a Hebrew as much as he chooses to flee uh, the land of Egypt. And even there, God says, "All right, it's time to go back." And Moses is like, "Ah, can't really do that, Lord. I'm not the guy for it." And that's when he drops the the rod, and it becomes a snake. And Moses argues with God about going back to the people of Israel in the book of Exodus. <clears throat> but then you read the book of Hebrews, and it credits Moses with this great faith that says Moses went back and suffered afflictions with the people of God, did he do it willingly? Eventually. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about faith. That, that's the application part for us, is that weak faith that Moses had eventually became strong enough that he went back. And sometimes we struggle, right? Sometimes in the moment we're called to do something and it's like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I have the faith to do it. And we're like, Moses, we argue with God. Lord, you want me to go back to those people and they ratted on me and I tried to lead them out 40 years ago and they wouldn't, they wouldn't obey. And now you want me to go back? And Moses' weak faith, listen, counted in the eyes of God. It was sufficient for him to make the hall of faith. Even though I would consider Moses' faith to be weak in that area, God said it was sufficient for him to be counted in the hall of faith. And that's just unique to me. And that goes back to what we already saw in previous uh, Sarah, right? That I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. And so God might see faith different than we do. Sometimes we feel like, man, my faith is so weak. And God's like, yeah, I know. But if you'll follow, if you'll step out, if you'll obey, then that counts, okay? Now, we we ought to respond in immediate faith, right? But how many of us know that's not always our first reaction? Sometimes our first reaction to argue with God like Moses was, But Moses did go back, right? And he kind of kicking and screaming, but God counted it as faith. Verse 26, esteeming, this is unique too. It says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now think about this. Did Moses ever know Christ? Not now, obviously he knows Christ. He can see him, he's in heaven with with Jesus. But did Moses... When he made the decision to leave the palace and go suffer afflictions with the people of God, did he say, I'm doing this for Jesus? Well, he didn't know who Jesus was, but here's the thing. His dad and his people had a promise that a Messiah would someday come and that that deliverer would be the mediator for those people. And Moses did, the Bible credits this, Moses must have had some some framework and understanding that said, hey, if I stay here, the promise is through them. I can stay in the palace and have power, or I can go to the people and have the promise. I'm leaving these treasures to go be with the people in their promise. And yes, I will suffer affliction, but they are the ones who have the promise. And so he forsook the palace, in in pursuit of the promised one. And that's a a beautiful reality um, that, that, listen, we live in a world and a system and a structure that has all the treasure right now, but it's the people of God that have the promise right? They may lead and they may have the power and they may have the palaces and they may have all the treasure, but you just wait until King Jesus returns and we are made rulers and, re- and we reign with him. Uh, and he is King. We, we don't have all the treasure maybe right now, but we have all the promises. It's the exact same parallel. And sometimes we got to come away from the, the palace in pursuit of the one that's promised to come. And if Hebrews has taught us anything, it's that God keeps his promises. And those promises that he's made, they're, they're, they're shadowy right now, but someday the very substance of them will come to fruition. So verse number 27, still talking about Moses. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's the same thing that that Abraham did, right? Abraham had not seen God, but he was waiting for that city that was going to be built and made by him. Moses did the exact same thing. Verse 28, through fear, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And that again, he didn't understand all that that would come to symbolize. And that's important. We talked about that with Cain and Abel, that they were responsible for what God had revealed to them. And what God had revealed to Moses was that, hey, you are responsible to kill that lamb and put its blood on the doorpost so that the death angel passes over you. Now, would that come to very clearly and what that intended to symbolize the lamb that would take away the sin of the world, 100%. Would Moses have understood that at the time? No, but he by faith believed that the blood would save him. And that would be what the law system would be built upon, that blood would save the people, that this lamb that was slain would save the people. And this was a symbol of Jesus obviously coming. Uh, Verse number 29, this is another example of weak faith, but faith that caused them to step forward. It says, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. So if you remember, again, this is where if you were here, oh man, he, when did we do Exodus? Exodus was probably a year and a half ago. If you were here in Exodus, you have a great understanding of what he's saying here. If you weren't, and that's why I'm encouraging you, man, just be faithful to church. Uh, year over year, you're going to grow in your understanding. What he's saying here is that by faith in Exodus, when the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, they walked over on dry land. Is that the whole story? No, man, when they came to that Red Sea, they bickered and they accused God of letting them die. And you brought us out here in the wilderness to be destroyed by the Egyptians. You're not faithful to us. And God's like, stop, hold on. Moses, stretch your rod, see parts, go. And even in that, they were still like, are we gonna die in here? And yet God says, hey, their faith counts. Their faith was enough for them to put feet in front of feet. And God says, I count that as faith. By faith, when they came to the Red Sea, they passed through on dry land. And then when the Egyptians essayed to do so, man, they were drowned because God was taking care of them. And so sometimes again, we have weak faith and God says, hey, no, if your faith is enough to get you moving, hey, count it, one foot in front of the other, right? Just keep moving, keep walking, keep stepping, keep uh, stretching in faith. And that's a great lesson for us uh, today as well. In fact, that's the very lesson chapter 12 opens with, that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses of what? That God is faithful to his promises, that God takes care of his people. Those are the witnesses that we should run the race with patience that's set before us because these people did the same thing that we are called to do today. And so it's written for our learning as well. Verse number 30, again, in chronological order, verse number 30 says... By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And again, this one, they seemed pretty strong in. Uh, Joshua had a different set of people to lead than Moses did. Um, If I had to pick which group of Israel I want, To be the leader of, I'm definitely not picking Moses' group. I would pick Joshua's group, right? Because Joshua's group, uh, they were the younger generation. Uh, Moses' group were that first generation that came out of Egypt, saw all the great miracles of God. They watched him part the Red Sea. The death angel came. They saw the darkness in in Egypt and light in Goshen. They they saw the flies and the lice and the locusts and the frogs. They saw all this and doubted him every day single step of the way. They doubted him that there was no water and we're gonna die of thirst. Now there's no food and we're gonna die of hunger. And everywhere they went, they doubted him. But then Joshua's generation comes up, right? Joshua's generation is the generation that actually will go into the promised land. And when this story is accounted right here, this particular faith is recognized. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Let me say this, that was solid faith. That was great faith. So now we have a record. We have a bunch of records of people who had pretty shaky faith, like Sarah. But man, the people in Joshua's day, they were ready. Man, let me go. Let's start marching. I'm not gonna ask any questions to this. Let's just go. If God said to do it, we're gonna do it. We're gonna pass through Jordan and we're gonna walk around Jericho and those walls are gonna come down. And everything in this particular story that God says, hey, that was faith. Let me just say, that was great faith. That was a lot better faith than some of the faith that we've seen. But here's the thing. God it all his faith. And that's a unique thing for us to grasp. That sometimes our faith is weak and sometimes our faith is just outright courageous. And God says, hey, just follow me in faith. They received the promises by faith. And you and I receive the promises by faith. Look at verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And so again, if you know the story, um, Joshua sends in these spies and, and they spy out the land and man, they're about to get caught. And Rahab, uh, this Jericho woman, brings them into her house and uh, puts them into, on the roof. And man, the, 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 the folks from Jericho come and man, she sends them out and they leave. And man, these spies are safe. And Rahab keeps them safe. In fact, the story goes on to say that she, and what she tells them, like, why would you keep these people safe? She says, man, our parents heard about you all. Our parents heard about what happened in Egypt and our parents heard about what had happened in the Red Sea and we've been waiting for you to take our land. She knew, which is crazy because the children of Israel had less faith than this pagan Jericho woman, but she had had so much faith. And it's because of that faith, she got to keep her family alive. And the spies told her, hey, put a, a thread on your door and bring your family in and don't go out. The entire city is going to be destroyed, but we will spare those in this house. And it's actually Rahab that ends up in the lineage of David and therefore the lineage of Jesus Christ because of her great faith. Uh, verse number 32, uh, and what shall I say more? Now he's about to start listing and he actually breaks chronology. He doesn't go in any particular order. Um, it says, and what shall I say? Uh, what shall I more say? for time would fail me to tell you of Gideon. Ah, Hold on, think with me about Gideon. Some of you don't know who Gideon is. Gideon was like the most fearful judge. Gideon's like, okay, Lord, I know you, you quite literally audibly told me you're gonna be with me, but just in case you're not, can you make the ground dry and the fleece wet? And God's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. So he does it. Okay, well now, hold on. Can you make the fleece dry and the ground wet? And every single step of the way, Gideon is horrified, but here's the thing. They're still every single step of the way. He's still moving. He still goes to war with Midian. He still gets out there. He still follows and obeys. Now, Gideon, again, is a rough character. Gideon ends up his family worshiping the epod of the priest, and there's just a bunch of sad things that happen in Gideon. And yet he makes the hall of faith. And it says, and of, keep reading verse number 32, and what shall I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak. Now listen, Barak is an incredible example of not having good faith. (laughs) He is. You'd have to go back and read in the book of Judges, but Barak uh, is the general of the the armies of Israel, and he's going to war with Sisera. But this is the man who says, listen, Deborah, if you don't go with me, I'm not going to war with this guy. And And Deborah goes with him, and they win. But Sisera isn't even killed by the hand of Barak. It's killed by the hand of Jael, another woman. Two women basically lead to battle and Barak gets no credit for it. They sing songs about both of these women and not about Barak. And yet Barak somehow makes the hall of faith. And then again, keep reading verse 32, and of Samson. Now, I'll be honest with you, I could not tell you why or how Samson made this list. At least with Barak, he went, right? At least with Gideon, even though his faith was weak, he went. With Samson, and again, This is one of the things that God's ways are not our ways and that we might not have certain aspects of the story that Samson may have had actual genuine faith. Um, But Samson is probably the worst judge of Israel. Um, He is a lascivious man. He is a selfish man. He is a proud man. He dishonored his parents. He broke every oath he was supposed to keep. Um, An absolute whoremonger. Uh, Even in his great defeat of the Philistines, it was selfish, Lord, avenge me of my eyes. Not God, these people have shamed you and, and subjugated your people. Let me destroy them. No, avenge me of my eyes. And he pulls down the pillars and destroys more Philistines in his death than he ever had in his life. And yet he makes the hall of faith. And I, again, maybe somebody else out there is like, yeah, I know why. I, I couldn't tell you why. But here's what I know, that God saw something in him that counted his faith. And that's a beautiful reminder to us Because sometimes, again, our heart condemns us, right? Man, Lord, I'm so faithless. I feel like that all the time. Maybe you don't feel like that, um, and either because you're proud or you have the world's greatest faith. Uh, But sometimes I feel like, man, Lord, my faith is weak, right? I mean, we're getting ready to do these things in the new year and praying over this. And I'm like, Lord, I believe, but I'm scared. and, And I believe, but I'm fearful. But again, the thing is, just put one foot in front of the other. Obey him. Keep walking forward for Christ. Keep doing what God called you to do as a parent. Keep being faithful in your giving, even though you can't see all that. Uh, you know, I mean, even recently, right? You know, like, Lord, we're trying to be sacrificial and give, and then you get a speeding ticket or something like that. It's like, oh, this, this backfired, you know? No, 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 faith. One foot in front of the other. Keep moving. Keep, God's going to count those things. For you. But again, I couldn't tell you why Samson makes the list, but keep reading in verse 32. It said, and of Jephthah, which is a judge who led a ragtag group of Jews to war against the Ammonites. He did have good faith. And of David, great faith, right? And Samuel, great faith. And of the prophets. So here's what you find in in verse number 32. You find some men who, according to the Bible, are detailed as having great faith. You find some men in verse 32 as detailed as having really, really poor faith. Then you have some people like Samson who you can't even tell, like, where was the faith? And yet the beautiful thing is God calls them faithful. Look at verse 33. It says, who through faith, notice what their faith accomplished, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in, fl- in fight. Maybe, maybe that right there, the out of weakness was made strong. Maybe Samson did really have faith that God would make him strong once again. Maybe that's the credit of faith for Samson. Waxed va- uh, uh, valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And no, that's not like E.T. Uh, that's just people who were trying to invade the promised land that they drove away. Verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Now look up here before we keep reading. In in faith, they won the victory. That's what uh, verse 34 in the first part of verse 35 says. In faith, they obtained promises. In faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence. They they stayed off the invaders. The women had their children received to life again. In faith, they won. Sometimes that happens for us. But sometimes faith doesn't bring the promises. Sometimes faith doesn't bring the healing. Sometimes faith doesn't bring the resurrection. Well, that, that flies in the face of the prosperity gospel faith healer stuff where it's always God's will to make you rich. It's always God's will to make you healed. It's always God's will to, no, it's not. Sometimes in faith, you will. Sometimes in faith, we've seen God heal cancer. Sometimes in faith, we haven't. Yeah, but faith is believing that God will. That's a lie. Faith is believing that God has the power to but that he will choose as he chooses. They that come to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What he rewards, we don't know, but that's why we come to him in faith believing that he is God, not believing that he's a genie and that he's obligated to do what we believe. And I believe for it, so now you have to do it. We can't obligate the God of heaven. And listen, Hebrews chapter 11 very clearly tells us that, right? By faith, they, they did this and did this, and God promises and escaped the edge of the sword. Keep reading verse number 35. Women received their dead race to life again, and others in the same faith were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. By faith, they didn't win. By faith, in the world's way of looking at it, they lost. Keep reading. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. In faith, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, Tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. In faith, they lost. In faith, believing, did not receive. In faith, trusting in a rescuer, were not rescued. But notice what verse 39 says And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not promise. Listen, this is why if there is no heaven, we are of all men most miserable. Because we have promises that sometimes in a very temporary way he will fulfill in the here and now. But for a Christian and for the Hebrews and what this whole book has been teaching us is that sometimes all we get is the shadow and we're waiting for the things to come. We're waiting for a better resurrection and we're waiting for a better city whose builder and maker is God. And it's not here and it's not now. And our children didn't receive the promise, but we believed in faith and passed off the promise to them. But they believed in faith and passed off the promise to them. And that faith and that promise kept continuing until the day he fulfills it in its fullest consummation when he returns. But these people have the same faith of the faith that stopped the mouths of lions. And yet they were sawn asunder. These people have the same faith that the folks, they had their dead raised to life and these did not because we have faith in something yet to come. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. We have a God who, is, who has faithfully throughout the entire book of Hebrews, throughout the chronology of the, he, the Hebrew faith. And all these people in the history of the Jews had faith and received promises. And Abraham really never did, but his generations after him kind of did, but even not all the way. And yet God is always faithful to fulfill his promises. And now again, we get to Hebrews chapter 12. We're just gonna read a couple of verses. We won't really spend a lot of time on it. We'll go back to it next week. But look at verse number one, verse twelve chapter 12. Wherefore, so because of all of those people, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Then sometimes this verse is taken out of context to somehow imply that, you know, as you're running this race, there's people who've died and they're in heaven and they're watching you. That's not what he's talking about. They're not witnessing us. That would create a theological problem with them viewing our sin from heaven. What he's talking about is all these people who witnessed to the faithfulness of God, and the goodness of God and Moses and Gideon and Jephthah and Samson somehow and, and Abraham and Moses, these witnessed of the faithfulness of God and obtained better promises, wherefore we are compassed with this cloud of witnesses, what are we supposed to do? Lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with, uh, with, pa- uh, with patience the race that is set before us. We're not going to be Moses raised in Pharaoh's palace but you are Casey living in Bakersfield. You're not gonna be Gideon leading the children of Israel into war, but you're gonna face some warfare yourself. You're gonna face some impasse of life where faith is the only way forward. And they ran their race and now we run our race and set aside the sin and the weight that might stop us from going forward, but we need to do it. They did it and they obtained promises. And then some of them did it and didn't obtain promises, but that didn't change. The outcome didn't change their present faith. And you and I need to remember that as well that you can be obedient and still be tortured. (laughs) You can be obedient and be delivered, but you can also be obedient and suffer for righteousness' sake. It's up to God to decide. And we just run with patience the race that is set before us. We'll revisit this text next week, but let's pray.